Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. But it's essentially getting to a point in your life where you have enough assets that you've purchased over, you know, a period of time that's producing enough income that you can 
maintain your lifestyle or the lifestyle that you want to live in perpetuity in a, in a perfect world. So, you know, if we, if medical advances take us to living to 150 years old, your money, you're not going to outlive your money. You know, all the stuff you look at, you're like, well, maybe I do need to be baking an extra 20 or 30 years into some of these like planning horizons I'm looking at. Hey, welcome back to Everyone's Talking Money. I am your host, Shauna Game. And if we have never met before, I am a recovering certified financial planner, certified trauma of money expert, and my expertise is in helping you better your relationship with money so you can create a money plan to stress less and live more. That is certainly my motto. Brings us into today's episode. What does it mean to have a financial plan? Is that something that we all need? Ethan Ho, a certified financial planner from one of my very favorite places, Oahu, Hawaii, is here to share the ins and outs of having a financial plan with you. One of my favorite takeaways from this episode is when Ethan describes your finances to a plant. Take a listen. Your finances are a plant. If you just put it in the corner, you don't water, you don't give it sunlight, you forget about it. It's like, what do we, what do we expect is going to happen versus you you put it in the middle of the room and you water it and you love on it and you give it light and you just pay attention to it. It's just going to improve naturally. As you can see, Ethan and I share a very common belief about money. You need to give it some TLC occasionally and create a plan that really works for you and the life that you want to live. So how do you do that? Well, Ethan's sharing the details behind everything financial plan in this episode, how you create one and what to do if life throws you some curveballs and let's say the planning doesn't really go as planned. We also talk about my love of Hawaii and Ethan shares his favorite guilty pleasure meal if you happen to find yourself in Oahu. So before we get into the episode, if we are not email friends yet, head to etmpod.link slash email club or the link in the show notes to sign up for my weekly emails. You'll get my Money Tuesday Tips series as well as other behind the scenes stuff that you don't get in the podcast, like private workshops and virtual happy hours and so much more. All right, let's start talking financial plans. Ethan, welcome to Everyone's Talking Money. Thank you for joining us all the way from Oahu, Hawaii, one of my favorite places. I'm very envious right now. It is cold and dreary and <laughs> rainy out where I am. So please tell me, I, I want to live vicariously through you. How is the weather where you are? Oh, you know, it's typical Hawaii. It's sunny. It's beautiful. It's a little cool for us. You know, when we get into the the high 60s, everyone pulls out their sweaters. And so uh, it's perfect weather right now. Uh, the last couple of days have not been perfect. It's been a little bit rainy, a little bit windy, but it is a tropical island. So to be right. expected. Comes with the territory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I read on your blog, uh, sort of inspiration for our conversation is we're talking about this whole idea of financial planning. And you have an article on there called Five Reasons to Mahalo Money. And it reminded me of another guest that we had on our show, Ken Honda. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he wrote the book called Happy Money. Yes. And he talks about this, you know, Japanese principle of saying arigato to your money in and money out. And so it kind of made me think of this this whole idea. I love I love the thought of of saying thank you to your money and and looking at your money from that perspective, right? You talk about ex expressing gratitude. How how does this work? Like how do we take, you know, a subject that just feels so heavy like money and how do we figure out how to find gratitude around it? Yeah, it definitely takes some self-reflection and I think looking inwards 
to your relationship with money because ultimately when you start peeling back the layers money is you know it's a tool it's a tool for us to impact the world to share value and it gets us and it buys us and it affords us so many wonderful things in life you know so many privileges and so many things to be thankful for but because it is such a heavy topic and it often comes with so much stress and fear and anxiety i definitely think the the positive side of what money brings to the table is is overlooked so yeah the blog post is just to remind people to say to say thank you to money say mahalo to your money because it's putting a roof over your head food on your table clothes in your back you experience the world in the way that you want to um and i've always been someone who thinks that taking a positive outlook and spin and being optimistic is so much more beneficial and impactful than you know the the, the opposite side end of that you know being pessimistic and scared it makes me think a, a lot of people specifically when we're talking about a subject like debt we're in the new year and and a lot of people want to get in a better relationship with debt but they can look at debt and look at it from sort of the framework of how we talk about debt in society, which is it's bad, it's negative, it's terrible, you're a bad person if you're in debt. And what I'm always trying to help people see is, yes, obviously we want to get rid of debt. We don't want to have very you know expensive credit card debt, but what has that debt, how has that debt helped you, I guess, in a way, right? So has it put a roof over your head? Did it pay your bills for a month when you were laid off from your job or you know, provide for your family. And so I like kind of this duality that you're talking about when it comes to money that, um, you know, there's there's a different way we can frame everything. Yeah, absolutely. Even, even the debt that's bad debt that you regret, you know, getting yourself into, most times people will come back and bounce back from that. And it's just this amazing learning opportunity and this learning experience. And yeah, there's a, there's a price tag to it. There can be costly aspects of debt. But most often, once people figure out how to manage their debt, how to come out of debt, it's this hero story, right? And, and we see it so many times. You've had people on your podcast who, you know, almost their claim to fame is how they paid off X amount of debt in this period of time. So, you know, for right. everything that's, that's <laughs> negative and bad, you can always take it to the other side and, and look at it as an opportunity to excel and, and grow and, and be better. But yeah, there's, unfortunately, there's a ton of shame around debt that you're not supposed to have it. And Part of it is, um, you know, because it's undereducated and, and people may not understand the difference between good debt and bad debt. Uh, and then also money is one of those things that just lets you look into your life and to your world. And, and people kind of have, are looking through this window, but they don't see the full context. And when they look at just a, a balance on a credit card at high interest, you know, they're like, oh, well, they're not being responsible with their money. They don't know that could have came from a medical bill or an expense and, and something that was a necessity, right? So... I'm with you. I totally agree. Yeah. There's, the duality of money is a very dynamic one. It's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, if we if we kind of zoom out and look at goals um, from maybe a little broader perspective, we know that everybody's time of year, everybody's thinking about goals, and you know, you have all the, like the enthusiasm, and you're so excited, and you know, you read all the motivational stuff, and then you get somewhere to the middle of the year, and you're like, wait a minute, I haven't done anything or I haven't achieved these money goals. And then then that's where more of the shame and blame and all of that sort of stuff comes in. And you get somewhere towards the end of the year and you're like, oh, it's just, it doesn't matter anyway. So I, I, you know, I'm not going to keep up with it. And, you know, I think there's a real mental piece to a financial plan that most money professionals, they don't include, right? We're talking a little bit about this, this room for humanness and things not to go as as they plan. 
give us some sort of thoughts about this in terms of our goals in this time of year where we're, we are more like enthusiastic about our goals. How do we stay focused on them, you know, in, in the sort of minutia of everyday life? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that when it comes to planning, like we, I'm a financial planner. I know you were too in, in a previous career. And, and I hate the, the title of financial planner, honestly, because we know that plans never go as planned, you know? And so we come up with this perfect plan and it looks all good on the papers and the spreadsheets and the numbers math. But the reality is we're humans, we're different, and it just doesn't go as planned. And so I definitely think of it more as a financial preparer. You know, we want to be prepared for all the different things that come our way. And that takes a little bit of planning. And the planning is the thing that starts the momentum. It gives you actionable steps to follow. And it, and it causes, it helps calm anxiety and fears very, very quickly, just having some type of plan. Uh, but a lot of times the plan, people will look at the plan in this very, you know, this Everest that they need to climb, even when it comes to their debt. Oh, I need to pay $100,000 of credit card debt off or, or I just need to hit these major financial goals. And most times when I speak with my clients, we're talking about really big, meaningful, life-changing goals. And so the idea that you're going to hit those goals in you know months or, or even a few years is a little bit, um, not, I don't want to say ridiculous, but it's not, it's not something to plan for. So I love just taking you know, people's big goals, chunking them down into things that are actionable that they can measure you know, throughout the months, throughout the quarters, and really focusing on one or two major things, you know, and, and then letting those one or two major things take hold, celebrate the win, and, and then roll that into the next thing. And then before you know it, you know, a few years has flown by, and you're in such a better shape than you were before. And it's never going to go as planned, you know, if we're being honest with each other, and the reality of things, most times, it, it's, it takes longer, it, it's not quite what you were expecting. But it all does stack up and uh, being mindful of where you're at in that process. And if you've strayed off, if you've drifted off the course that you intended, that's okay. It's good. You're, you're, you're being aware of it and you have the, the control and the capability to kind of bring it back to on target. Give me an example of what some of the things that you would classify as like big things in a financial plan are compared to some of the, you know, maybe smaller goals that people might have. Yeah. I mean, everybody's number one goal, at least in my opinion, is retiring. You know, that's the kind of the, the word that we've used for it. You know, people will call it financial independence, financial freedom, but it's essentially getting to a point in your life where you have enough assets that you've purchased over, you know, a period of time that's producing enough income that you can maintain your lifestyle or the lifestyle that you want to live in perpetuity in a, in a perfect world. So, you know, if we, if medical advances take us to living to 150 years old, your money, you're not going to outlive your money, you know? That uh, feels crazy to me. I don't know if I want to live to 150. I know. And, but all the med <laughs> all the stuff you look at, you're like, well, maybe I do need I to be know. baking an extra 20 or 30 years into some of these like planning horizons I'm looking at to be on the safe side. Uh, so I would say that's people's biggest goal, you know, is like, I don't want to have to work. Of course, that takes years for most people to accomplish. And so chunking that down into something that's like, well, what are the different components of not having to work? What age would you not have to work? Because that's going to ultimately dictate what accounts that we use. Uh, and what does your standard of living look like? And so addressing each one of those variables within the plan or within the goal is going to be able to chunk it down. So maybe 
you know, part of that not having to work is having liquid funds and emergency fund. Maybe it is paying off a little bit of debt. Maybe it is paying off your your home, you know, uh, maybe it is funding a retirement account or a brokerage account or anything that's going to support that goal. And then within each of those different buckets, you can break them down into further milestones to say, hey, this is where you need to be at this, you know, 2025, quarter one of 2025. And then you could kind of uh, measure your your progress from there. I have a theory. I'm curious what you think about it, but I have a theory that retirement for people all our, our age, people younger is going to look very different than it did from, you know, our parents or certainly our grandparents, great-grandparents generations. I'm I'm wondering like how do you think things like just side hustles and I mean just the whole different, you know, economic world we're living in, how is that going to factor in to people's retirement? Are people still wanting to just automatically stop working at a certain time or are they looking at it like from a different lens yeah i think you're totally right like we're going through this transition in society where our our parents and our grandparents were much more of like work your 30 or 40 years get your pension from your your company that you're at collect some social security pay off your mortgage and now you can now you can, now you're retired right and the transition where pensions are not becoming as readily available for most people. They're not as common where employers are trying to transfer the risk of retirement onto the their employees instead of burdening it themselves. In addition to the, you know, the ability for any one of us to earn an amazing income online, serving people across the world. So technology kind of creating these additional sources of income and actually just elevating your ability to earn money by 10 to 100 times what it was just 10 years ago is it has to play into you know what retirement looks like these days. Sure. Um, I, I have this like weird divide in my clients where a lot of my clients are young, high income earning entrepreneurs, like very motivated to be financially successful. And then the other side is a little bit more of the old school thought process where you're like a doctor, lawyer, engineer, you're kind of following the track record of your the track of your parents or the the foundation that was laid for you and and both of them totally work. Um, I'm seeing a lot more people who are wanting to get to the point where they don't have to work. They just get to work because life is so much more enjoyable yeah. when you're doing something that you want to do and you don't need to do it for the money. Uh, I 100% see people not adopting your typical retirement um, when we think about you know the past generations. I was thinking about this, Ethan. I, I don't know what your experience was, but when I was studying to get my certified financial planner designation, I took a picture of all the books that I had to memorize <laughs> and like memorize everything in all the books. And yeah. I think the stack either came up to like mid thigh or almost my hip. And I'm I'm about five seven-ish. So I mean that's like a pretty hefty stack of books. And, you know, friends would say, wait a minute, like, you don't need to know all of this. And I'm like, no, actually, in order to pass this test and become a certified financial planner, I need to know all of this stuff. But the average person doesn't need, you know, to know about strange trusts and, you know, complex estate tax and a lot of the, you know, kind of periphery subjects that we really had to, you know, become masters in. But what are some of the common pieces when we talk about financial planning? What are some of the common pieces that apply to most of us that we need to be thinking about? 
Yeah, I, I would say that like my answer because to the like if I could give someone a magic pill to take to say like this is the one thing that if you just do this, your financial life will be okay. It'll be way better than no- the average person. It's to create a clear, simple and automated plan that just runs without you thinking about it. And so like that's the that's the 30,000 foot view. And what does that plan entail? Like what are the different pieces? It's how you manage your cash flow, right? And that's that's going to be the glue that holds everything together. So you, it's really simple like dieting. You need to understand money coming in, money going out, and you can't be running a deficit every single month. Once you understand your cash flow, you know, you want to understand how you store your cash because Money and 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 gaining some type of financial independence and freedom, what I've realized is really, it comes down to two major variables. It's making money and keeping it. And then when I say keeping it, it's also growing and protecting it as well. Uh, and most times I've noticed that people will focus on one side of the spectrum or the other. So someone will be, I'm only focused on making more money and I'm just going to make more money and that's going to solve my problems. And they right. forget that they can make as much money as they want, but if they're spending it all, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't solve any long-term money problems. The other side of the spectrum is right. Like we're just going to save and, and, and be very diligent and penny pinch and cut the budget. And we're not going to focus on increasing our income. So that path is a lot, you know, longer. And so I think that understanding the arrows in your quiver, the things that you're good at, understanding the system that you run your money through, which is going to be different for everybody, but it has core aspects like your cash flow, like your emergency fund, like your retirement accounts, like your investment accounts, like the like your risk management strategies. Like there's these core pillars within a financial plan that that everybody should be under everybody should have an understanding of and everybody I believe should be able to have at least a meaningful conversation with their accountant, you know, maybe with their financial advisor or with their parents or with their spouse around the money system or the side of things, and then ultimately how that money is going to affect and impact their priorities, their goals in alignment with their values. And I know you talk about like creating a, a spending plan, like out with the budget in, you know, in with the spending plan. And I'm so with you on that because it's all about using money as that tool to support your goals in a way that highlights the things that you value in life. And so if any, you know, you don't need to understand trust and crazy taxes and all the different investment options. You can actually, what I've noticed with people, some of the most successful people I've ever worked with, you know, millions and millions of dollars invested money. They're not extremely intelligent when it comes to money. They're not, you know, they, they got something that works yes. for them. That's basic. They're, they have really good habits. They have a good relationship with money and they've surrounded themselves with people that can support them. So I think the I think the financial service industry has shot themselves in the foot by making money and investing feel so complicated, feel so overwhelming because it just makes people totally. not want to take action. Totally. It's like the, you know, analysis paralysis, right? You just get you get stuck and you don't end up doing anything. So, is there a way we can argue the opposite the opposite opinion? Is there somebody who doesn't need a financial plan? Or is it that really everyone actually should have one? <laughs> yeah, I think there's some people that like don't need a financial plan. Um, and those people are extremists usually, at least in my experience, where they're extremely frugal and they just they they just naturally will like hoard money, spend less than they earn. Uh, they maybe they enjoy it and it just comes very naturally to them. They probably don't need a financial plan. They would, I would, I would argue that they would 
benefit from one. It could come, it could bring them some peace and clarity, but do they need one? Probably not. And then on the other side of things, especially growing up in Hawaii, like we have families who just money is just not, um, they don't value it, you know, they don't see it as a tool. Mm, and yeah, right. Okay. It's generations taking care of generations, living on a house that's been paid off for, for generations, hunting, fishing, living off the land to some degree, and just getting enough to get by, you know, and, and that it'll be okay in the end. And, and again, a financial plan could benefit them. But if you're not going to take the, the plan seriously, or really the process of coming up with the plan seriously, then it's a waste of your time. It's a waste of everybody's time. And, and so I think everyone could benefit from them. Do I think everyone should have one? Probably not. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like 
a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. All right, Ethan, it's time to play your relationship with money is game. Question number one. If you had to describe your relationship with money as a Hawaiian island, mm-hmm. what would it be and why? So I will say that my relationship with money is like Oahu, the island I live on, because it's the gathering island. Uh, because I am trying to gather you know, dollars to work for me and for my family, right? Because I'm still in an accumulation phase of my life. But I'm also trying to gather a community of people who want to embrace the the positive side of money, the relationship with money that actually creates a rich feeling life. And I would say Oahu is my favorite island because I'm born and raised here. Uh, and it, it's our it's our city, you know, it's, our, it's the hustle and bustle of where things happen. So uh, as far as a Hawaiian island goes, that re- describes my relationship with money, I would say Oahu. All right. What is your biggest money splurge that you are never given up? <laughs> I am my... My splurges are definitely around, um, I would say, I would just call it gear. So I'm, I'm much of more, I've always divided people into, you know, you like experiences or you like things. Like a lot of times people will spend their money on one or the other. I like things that provide me an experience. So for me, it would be like a, a surfboard or some type of, um, you know, there's a lot of different types of surfboards, but uh, something that gets me like out in the water and gives me this experience that allows me to exercise and soak in the sun. Um, I don't think I will give that up because it, it just enhances my quality of life here so much. And you may spend, you know, a few thousand dollars on one thing, but you can use it for a long period of time. That would be my splurge. <laughs> if you could only read one money book for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, man. I, you know, I think it would be more about like, Think and Grow Rich type of book where you are impacting your ability to earn money. I think income potential is our biggest asset. I'm in the space of investing and helping people grow their money. But the most successful people, financially speaking, have either high incomes or create a business that they could sell. And so I think that type of book will give you the skill set to earn a high income, and that's going to have the biggest impact on your finances. All right. So tell me a little bit about your inner world of money thoughts. 
Is there a central theme or thought that plays out kind of on repeat for you? Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, and you know, as like a money expert, it it should be, I feel like you're supposed to have it more under control. But it's for me, it's always like I'm not I'm not living up to my full potential. Like I'm not where I I want to be yet. Um, and I went through this whole kind of journey in my financial planning career where I was immediately had a lot of initial success and then was like, I can just like, I don't need to actually earn any more money. If I just follow this trajectory for a while, I'll be okay. And I did that for a few years and then started to feel myself in a rut. And ultimately it came down to that question is like, are you living up to your full potential? Like when you hit your deathbed, are you going to look back on your life and, and have any, I wish I tried this. And so I, I realized I can't have that like thought I need to, I need to give it a shot. So that's what, but one of the reasons that went into starting my own business and starting my own company. And so now it's definitely around the, the idea, like my business isn't where I want it to be. I've done a really good job on the personal, like personal side of things. Now it's just figuring out the, how to, you know, how to, how to make an income that is impactful that I can pay employees and that can go to so many more people than just me and my family. And so I always, I always feel behind there. What's one money secret you've never shared, but maybe you want to come clean on? I, I would say this is something more recently because I'm a big, big, um, believer in investing in yourself and your education and that if you learn something as a skill it's like the idea of teaching someone how to fish instead of giving them a fish i have spent you know in the last couple of years like five years or less hundreds of thousands of dollars on education different coaching programs and and things for learning how to increase income and build your skill set and i would say that Unfortunately, like half of those programs have been like a total flop. You know, I I had one last year, beginning of last year, where I think I spent around $50,000 on someone to help me set up uh, like a marketing campaign and learning the different technical side of things when it came to like marketing my business. And I just got zero return on it. And it was like, you know, I, I felt like every time I make these investments into my education, it is an investment into myself and, and, and I'm supposed to be a good investor. And then I'll do these programs and I'm like, this is not what I needed. And I'll get all excited about, you know, it could be the thing that unlocks blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't. So my new, my new New Year's resolution is more about just saying no to most things and concentrating on all the little things that I know have made the difference thus far and not looking for the new next thing uh but yeah i mean the fact that i have lost like 50 grand in a educational investment and got nothing out of it is something i'm not super proud of but it is what it is <laughs> all right last question this is just a personal one i gotta know tell me your favorite restaurant in oahu oh. if we're coming to the island we've got one day where are we going oh my goodness dang that's such a hard one because okay are we are we getting are we like bougie or are we like are we taking it Ooh. kind of like local style (laughs) oh no let's go local style you got to go local style so it would just depend on where on the island that we were but i am i like love hawaii trash food which is we call it like plate lunch and it's essentially like two scoops of rice 
mac salad and then some unhealthy type of meat. It could be spam or fried chicken um, or whatever. And so there's a bunch of like fast food chains that sell that type of food uh, around the island. Zippy's is probably the most popular one. Uh, and so anytime I'm like, I come back from the mainland or a trip and I'm feeling a little, you know, I want some some food that reminds me of home. Zippy's slogan is next stop Zippy's. First stop Zippy's, next stop Zippy's. <laughs> and I'm like, that kind of fits because <laughs> I'll go there. It's not good food though. Like, <laughs> I don't know if, you don't, if anyone's coming to Hawaii and they like excited to go to Zippy's, like, you know, don't, don't hold me to the fact that it's going to be amazing. <laughs> it's just what is comfort food for me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You know, one of my one of my very favorite things about Hawaii, I've been there, I don't even, I can't even count how many times. Um, very, very lucky because it's such a beautiful place. If anyone listening has not been to any of the Hawaiian islands, <laughs> like do yourself a favor. Um, I, I love going to, to Maui. And it was funny, the last couple of times that I went there with my husband, uh, we'd stay at a condo kind of across the street from from the beach. And there was uh, just kind of open green grassy area. And people would go there every night with their lawn chairs and would sit and, and literally watch the sunset go down. And I just thought, gosh, this, this is like such a better way to live life and kind of have that perspective of no matter what's going on with your money or your career or the family or whatever, to be able to 
enjoy the day. And it's funny, we we came home and I, I was telling my dad, who's in the financial industry, about um about this. And he's in his 80s, so he's real kind of like old guard to thinking. Mm-hmm. And he's like, sit and watch the sunset. Like, why would somebody <laughs> actually do that? You know? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you are you are so missing out because you know, I love that I, you know, it's it's a lifestyle thing, right? It's a it's a way of balancing out um you know everything in your life so that you become more holistic you know on this show we talk about money all the time what you do for your clients you talk about money all the time but we both know there's more to life than money right yeah absolutely and you know part of my company's brand and i think the way we want to position ourselves is su- supposed to give people that feeling around their finances and money that they're sitting on the beach in hawaii sipping a mai tai watching the sunset and it's peace, it's calm, they're present, you know, uh, when you when your money isn't right, it's so easy to be in your head and not be the best husband or spouse or wife or friend or, you know, employer, employee, you're just not your best self, because you're distracted, because you're living in some type of fear, because if you don't have a, a certain level of money, it, it, it has this direct impact on your livelihood and your well being. And so, you know, we all I think need to, especially in this day and age, take a take a moment to slow down, say mahalo, say thank you to the things that we have in our lives. A lot of times, money supports them to some degree, uh, and and yeah, in Hawaii specifically, it's it's high cost of living. It's low. It's low pay for most people. So finding the yeah. free things or the the affordable things, a walk on the beach, watching the sunset, going for a swim, you know, a nice hike. You can you can get a lot of richness out of that, and, and richness isn't necessarily a luxury car or a nice watch or a handbag for some people. For some people, it is watching the sunset. And everybody, you know, I'm 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 never going to tell someone what is what they should be spending their money or time on. It's just getting aware of what it works what works for you. And so, if you want to sit down, watch the sunset, enjoy that with your your family, watch the kids roll around. It's quite peaceful, and you know, it's free for a lot for the most part. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that because I, I know the reality of of living in Hawaii is is very expensive. Everywhere around the world now is is just a lot more expensive to live. I know certainly in the states, the groceries, everything yeah. is just costing a lot more money. And you know, people while people might be making more money, you know, there isn't some sort of relief because they're they're spending so much of of their money. And we talk about live within your means, and that's a great um, adage. But it's it's hard for a lot of people to do that, and you know we've talked a little bit about like the ups and downs of of just life and kind of your money flow. But do you have any tips? Or like, how could somebody actually live on less than they earn, but still have a quality of life? I mean, we were just talking about enjoying the sunsets, but how else should we be thinking about this? Yeah, so I think it, it's I, I think you preach this too. It's it's throw away the budget, create the spending plan. And the spending plan is not, you know, it's opposite from a budget where a budget's like, don't spend here, don't spend this. It's very no, no, no. And a spending plan is very yes, yes, yes. Like, where do I get to allocate my money? Where do I get to put my money in these, you know, areas of my life that are really meaningful? And you go down and you just say, okay, well, I really, you know, for Hawaii people, I think most of us like eat our retirement, like everybody just eats out, you know, that is like, it's it's like a high car it's a big car payment and a lot of entertainment and dining out you know for some people if you know if you're in new york or something like that maybe it's 
it's keeping up with fashion and clothing. We don't care about clothes here in Hawaii. We care about like eating out at the, ne the next restaurant or whatever. So <laughs> you want to just look at your, your financial life and, and figure out what are the ca categories or areas that you really enjoy spending. And, and you can kind of say like, these are needs, these are wants, and maybe some of the needs are like, these are non-negotiables, even though they're wants, you know, even though getting your nails done once a month isn't necessarily a need, but it's your need, it's your non-negotiable. And so you just figure out where you can allocate your money in alignment with those things. Maybe something's got a gift, but make sure you prioritize what's gonna let you up, what's gonna get you excited, what's gonna make you feel like all the hard work you do is totally worth it in the end. Allocate your money there first, create a little bit of room to pay yourself first. So automatic savings, automatic investing, just automate the process, put your spending plan together, figure out what's unallocated. This is something like, I, I think this is one of the most valuable things anybody can do for themselves. So like on my Instagram account on all my free resources, like this is what I give away. I'm like, here's the, here's the spending plan. Like just do this for yourself. My clients tell me it's some of the most, you know, valuable exercises they do is just creating that totally. spending plan and they can do it on their own. They don't need an advisor or anybody to walk right, them through yeah. it. So create the spending plan. You're going to come up with what's unallocated, what's not spoken for, which, you know, we will sometimes call it lazy dollars. Uh, and, and then you want to put those lazy dollars to work. So whether it's $50 a month or $5,000 a month or $50,000 a month that you have left over, whatever your unallocated number is, take a portion of that and put it towards your future. Just pay your future self, set it on autopilot, and then you've kind of created these guardrails for yourself where you know you're putting money aside for your future, but you also know that you can't overspend too much. Otherwise, you're going to either see your checking account dip down or your savings account dip down, or if you don't have any like cash reserves, maybe it's credit card balance increase. Uh, but I think that is the the easiest, best way to practically go about spending less than you earn uh, is do do it proactively instead of reactively. Do your do your spending plan, pay yourself first, you're good to go versus do a budget, save after spending, you're not not so good to go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just have the vision of like go no go yeah, in my head. Yeah. I like that um, obviously besides being able to eat amazing food and surf every day which a lot of us are envious about you also own a financial planning firm and I know that you are really working hard to create more of a transparent approach practical approach to financial planning and uh, b break the model of, of what we've seen out there. Tell me a little bit about like what got you so excited to to help people with their money, and then you know what's sort of the motivation behind really wanting to change the way that financial planning is done. Yeah, it, it for me it probably started at a really young age. I grew up in in Kaneohe Kahalu on Oahu, which is like a little bit more rural country, and like my neighborhood friends, I would say they weren't, they were somewhere between like lower economic status, you know, they're, they weren't poor, but they weren't well off. And, and then I went to a private high school, Punahou, and there that the, the students over there were like very, you know, families were very well off. And so in my neighborhood, I was like the rich kid. In my school, I was like the poor kid. And I got to like see these dynamics of how people interact and play with, you know, interact with money, really. So that kind of got me excited and interested in the idea of money. And I've always wanted to put my money to work for me and invest like my parents did talk to me about investing from a very early age. So it, that got me hooked. I went to school in New York. Um, and I figured, you know, if I'm going to get into business, like, and investing, like what better place 
than New York City. After graduating, I was like, I thought I was supposed to understand, like have a better grasp of like money, making money, keeping money, all that stuff. Not so much. I was like, no, yeah. It's like, did I miss the class or like what what happened here? <laughs> right. And and so to me, I've always looked at life as like, you know, it's your 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 relationship with yourself, with your family members, with your loved ones, with your God or you know, your spiritual side. Uh, it's your health, your physical health, and then it's your financial health, right? And like those three three are like very core pillars to having a, a happy life. And so I felt like my my money pillar needed some attention. And so I was like, where where do I where do I learn this stuff? You know, it's obviously not being taught at school or not being taught at home or, you know, there's not a lot of access to the information I'm looking for. So I decided to, you know, start in financial services. I decided to become a financial advisor. I was like, let me go work with the people who are managing millions and this will give me some insight into you know, other people's lives, like how did have they done it? And I knew I would be working with people who are typically older, so I could pick their brain and kind of uh, learn from their experience. I've always been, I will always want to be very coachable. And I don't want to make mistakes myself if I know somebody else has made them and I, you know, can learn from that. So that's where I, I, I like forced my way into this firm. They're like, we're not supposed to hire you. And I, I kind of just like bullied my way in there. They hired me. The CEO was like, you're, you know, we're, you're, you're so young, you're straight out of college, everybody who does this fails, blah, blah, blah. Like we weren't supposed to hire you. I hope you prove me wrong. Ultimately, prove them wrong. I, I like went, I, I did really well at that company. Um, but I started like the more experience I got in the industry, not only do you learn, you know, you take all your licensing tests and you kind of learn the technical side of things, but you also learn the real practical side of things, the emotional side of things, the habits. And and then you start to learn how the industry is shaping people's habits and emotions. And then you just realize, oh my gosh, it's all broken. Like this entire thing needs a facelift. So I started seeing a lot of, you know, big institutions ultimately not doing what's in their best interest for their clients, predatory lending, selling a lot of selling products for a commission, whether it's, you know, mutual funds or annuities or insurance, like the financial advisor was just product selling. And there's nothing wrong with the products. They, they serve a role, they have a purpose, but the companies were inspiring or like incentivizing advisors to sell specific products. And those products may not always be what's in the best interest for the client. And so you get pushed into this really moral conundrum where you're like, well, this is a good thing for the client, but this is a good thing for my family. Like, how do I find that, that middle ground? And I could just see like, it takes a, an extremely ethical, ethical, advisor to constantly fight the institution on it. Uh, so I was like, I, I can't be in this environment if I want to follow my heart and do what I believe is the best thing for the client. And then on the other side of the spectrum were these advisors who had like extremely high asset minimums. So you either had to like work with an advisor who was going to sell you some type of like insurance product so they could get paid a commission and you weren't going to pay a planning fee. Like it was very you know, easy to get started. And then they kind of slid the product in there. Um, or you had, yeah, exactly. A, yeah, or you had tons of money and everybody wanted to work with you. And so all these financial firms are like, we work with pre-retirees. You need to be 55 plus either have a high income or millions of dollars to invest. And so it, to me, it like left this huge segment of the market that was like my peers that needed to build a foundation in financial literacy and understanding and their plan and and they lack the information and the the knowledge and they lack the accountability and the systems to help them get there. And the ones that did just figure out on them themselves, then an advisor would come and say, okay, well, now we can help you. And it's like, well, where were you 20 or 30 years ago? 
uh, and I would meet with, you know, people who were pre-retirees who thought they did extremely well for themselves. And I look at their retirement account. And I'm like, you didn't check the right block when you set this up. You never revisit it. And that was a multiple six figure mistake, you know, and it's nothing that we, we can't do anything to change it. So I just was like, something needs to at least try to be the change here, you know, try to fix this. And that's where my company sort of came to life was like, we can help young you know, professionals early or midway through their career, either they're business owners or they're, you know, high income earning individuals who want help, who want structure, who know the the value of long-term planning and and getting a foundation built early. And so that's kind of what has been inspiring me to to be a little bit different in the space and to not be the one who's looking to, uh, you know, accumulate assets and charge a percent of, it, yeah, of assets right, being managed right. or selling product, you know. We're just like, we charge a flat fee. This is the process. This is how we help. This is why we think it's so good. If it's fit for you, cool. If not, no worries. Yeah, it's such a breath of fresh air because I'm one of the reasons I got out of being a a financial planner, practicing financial planner was for a lot of the reasons that you're talking about. I just felt like people were paying money for financial plans and nothing was happening. And then just the whole system and you watch commercials about pushing different financial products and people would come in saying, well, do I need this or do I need that? Or now I'm scared of this or now I'm scared of that. And it just, the whole thing just didn't feel comfortable. So, you know, it's part of the reason of starting the show of being able to have conversations with, you know, people like yourself and so many other guests to talk about money from a real perspective and help people, you know, just hopefully stress less and and live more and and you know experience life from a different perspective where money is not the central theme in your life you know you talk about sort of setting things and forgetting them and making sure they're done correctly in the beginning but you're not having to to worry about those things and i i really love that so if we if we've listened to this whole conversation i i would love for you to wrap up like what are just a couple of maybe two things that you think we really need to keep in mind when we're we're thinking about this year, we're thinking about planning for our finances and all these goals swimming around that that you know we've got and we don't know where to start. What are just a couple of things you want us to remember? Yeah, that you're not alone, that everybody feels this way, that the most successful people, they have crazy high incomes. Like you just look at them, they have the car and the house. Most times you peel back the layers and they are not in good shape financially. And so first thing I would want to say is like, you're, you have tons of company in this space and you have tons of resources and tons of help to get yourself started there. You know, you can, you can do the YouTube university, you know, you can do the Googling, the information is out there. I would say that because the information is out there, it's not so much of a lack of information problem. It's, it's a lack of accountability, coaching, clarity more than it is information. So I would, if I was someone out there who's just getting started and you're, t- you're asking your typical questions, like, I don't know where to start. I don't know who to trust. Like, I don't want to lose my money. I would start with a, a mentor, a, a community, an advisor, a friend, a spouse where you guys can be each other's like battle buddies. So you can hold each other accountable so you can have open conversations around this. And it could be something like listening into this podcast on a regular basis. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to be someone that you're, you know, interacting with on a one-to-one basis. Although I do, I do think that's better. Uh, 
And I would say, start to get very clear around what the role money plays in your life is, where you stand financially, where you want to go financially, because most people don't, they can't even answer those questions. They don't know their financial, current financial health, and they don't know what they, they want their finances to look like in, a, in the future. So just define it. And then carve out time, maybe once a quarter, once a month, it depends on your situation to focus on it. And focusing on it could look be looking at your bank account, it could be researching a new thing that you heard about, it could be having a conversation with someone who is in your immediate family, just do something around it. I've always I always relate it to like a plant, right? Like your finances are a plant. If you just put it in the corner, you don't water, it, you don't give it sunlight, you forget about it. It's like, what do, we, what do we expect is going to happen versus you, you, you put it in the middle of the room and you water it and you love on it and you give it light and you just pay attention to it. It's just going to improve naturally and you'll find that path on your own. Don't worry about the, the, the minutia, just get some accountability, put some focus and energy into it and just try to get really clear on what you're, what you're trying to make money do for you. Well, Ethan, a big mahalo to you for all of this advice. It has been so good to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you, Sean. It was a wonderful to you know be a guest. And I, I love the mission that you are on and that you are sharing. And we need more people just like you doing this. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I think it's important. We, we throw around these words like financial plan, but what does that mean? And how does that actually help you? And so I, I think it's great to talk about what goes into a financial plan, but then also for you to have a sense of freedom that your financial plan doesn't have to be complicated or long. You can write it on the back of a napkin if you want, but having some sort of plan helps you. It's, it's the roadmap, right? It's the direction to help you go where you want to go or help you to get to where you want to go. That's the way I like to think about it. So if you want to connect with Ethan, I will put all of his links in the show notes. You can find him on Instagram at Ethan the Money Man Ho. I will also put his LinkedIn and all the information to connect to his firm. If you want to ask him some money questions or dive a little bit deeper, or you just happen to find yourself in Oahu and you want to know some more great restaurants to eat at, I'm sure he would love to connect with you. If you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor, share it with a few friends right now. Get them into this idea of creating a plan for their money and help them to feel like this is not a scary thing. This is something great that is going to just get you to where you want to go. That is my ultimate mission for you in life is to be able to use the money you have right now to curate the life you want to live. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to obviously my episode guests as well as the sponsors who make this show possible. And every which way that you can connect with me, I've got some great freebies as well in the show notes, but I will see you back here, my friend, in a few days for a brand new episode. Mm -hmm.